Thank the Lord for the shelter of his arms. Not of earth can harm me. Not of hell either. And not of heaven. If there was anything in heaven that wanted to harm us, it couldn't hurt us either. No better place to be than in the sheltering arms of God. Amen. Thank you, sisters, for sharing with us that beautiful song. Invite your attention with me, uh, with me to the ninth division of the Psalms, Psalms nine. We've last week we started the introduction to a series on the names of God, and I appreciate Brother Gary Skank. He he's not here, and I don't know if he's listening in this morning, but. Um, Apparently, he, he wanted to be sure that I had enough resource material. He got me a book that has 365 names for God. And so my series that I thought might take the whole year, I didn't know. It looks like it's going to be long. It looks like it might take the next 10 years. And <laughs> I don't know that we will preach every single one of them, but it's, it's a beautiful devotional and, and has a as a devotion for each day of the year, and uh, each one of them, uh, each day a name of, of the Lord. And it starts all the way in the beginning of Genesis and all the way through Revelation, and the wonderful names of our Lord. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to perusing that, and by the time we get done with this series, hopefully you'll know God better. Let's stand together, not just you, but me as well, me as well. I I, that, that's the purpose of, of this series, is to know him better. In Psalms 9, and uh, we're reading verses 9 and 10, the Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. What a beautiful thought, isn't it? That they that know thy name will put their trust in thee. O Lord, has not forsaken them that seek thee. Father, as we endeavor once again to lay the foundation for this series, we just ask that you would anoint us what a bold request, but one that you promised. You promised to fill our mouths with your words. So we ask that you would be especially close this morning. You know the needs that each one of us has brought. And we just ask that your word and your presence would be felt and known this morning. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Why do you tell people your name? Have you ever thought about that? One of the first things we do when we meet somebody, say, hello, my name is. Why do you do that? Why would you say your name first when you're meeting somebody? Or when we're, you know, if you're a good host and you're introducing people, you start with their name. Why do we do that? 
What's the importance of a name? And why do I forget it as soon as you tell me it? <laughs> the great mysteries of the world, you know. The reason I believe that we give a name, one, is it makes it easier to connect with them as far as when you want to call them or, or talk to them. It's, it's nice to be able to say their name. My wife and I, when we got engaged, my wife had no idea what she should call my mother. And so, should she call her Mrs. Brown? Should she call her Mom? Should she call her Karen? She, she didn't know. And if you know my wife, she's not going to ask. And I remember my mom got really upset about it. And I, she, she, I, I think we, she, we were talking on the phone, and, and my mom was just really, really upset. She doesn't call me anything. I'm nothing to her. And I said, Mom, relax. She just doesn't know what to call you. You haven't really said what you wanted to be called. And she just, just that's Trisha. She's not going to ask you, so she's just not going to call you anything until you tell her what you want to be called. And so, mom says, well, I don't care what she calls me. Just call me something. <laughs> isn't, that a, isn't that strange? How it was so important, and I don't think just for her, but I think for all of us. We want to be called something. And to not to be called anything gives us this feeling of we're not very important if they won't call us something I have, a, I have a friend who I don't know if it's because he can't remember people's names or just what but every, he calls everybody Doc everybody's Doc every time he tells me that I says I haven't gotten my doctorate yet <laughs> not yet <laughs> but he still calls you something and some, for some reason when someone calls you a name, even if it's not your actual name, even if it's just kind of a nickname or a placeholder like Doc, it means something. We want people to know our names. Now, I'm not saying we all have a desire to be famous and for us, you know, to go every time we go into the store, someone knows who. In fact, some of you probably like to go, when you go to Walmart, you should probably show up at two or three in the morning so nobody, you can't meet anybody you can recognize. I know people like that. And you know what? There are times. There are times that we go to Walmart and we're kind of like, eh, I hope nobody sees me today that I recognize. <laughs> kind of grubby looking today. But for the most part, it's nice when people know who you are, when, when they shake your hand or, or you know, say, hey, it's good to see you, and, and they call you by name. Something special about that. And last week, we talked about some of the commands and some of the, some of the reasons, uh, some of the things that we do to honor God's name. But this week, I'd like to talk to us a little bit about why God would tell us his name. And, and I really should say names, because he, there's lots and lots of names that he gives to us. I think the first reason that he gives us his name is so that he can reveal himself to us. He wants to reveal who he is. Have you ever heard somebody, you never, you never met them, but you knew their name. 
you you never you never had the uh, the privilege of of uh, seeing them in person, never shaking their hand. You don't know them, but you know who they are because you know people that know that person, and they talk about that person. Maybe it's an evangelist who you've heard about. He, you've, he's never been here to church. He's never been to a camp meeting. You've never heard him preach. But you've heard people say, you've got to hear so-and-so. They are really, really good. Or maybe you've heard the opposite. Don't go hear so-and-so. He's really, really bad. <laughs> that happens too. The name reveals something about them. No, not, the, not that their name is Joe Smith or, or Billy uh, Jones or whatever the, na the name itself, but, but all the connotations that come with that, what you've heard associated with that name. Teachers probably kind of have this a little better. They probably understand. They've, they've heard, especially I would say Sister Hinthorne, I'm glad she's here this morning because I'm going to pick on her. She teaches 7th and 8th grade. The kids that come to her are over in the other building. She rarely sees those kids, except for maybe combined chapel. But my guess is, is before they ever enter her classroom on day one of 7th grade, she already has an idea about the character of most of the kids. Because she's probably... Teachers, it's a small school. Even in big schools, it still happens. Teachers talk. This particular one has give, given me a really hard time. This one's, this one's is really bright. This one, we have a lot of hope for them. And, and even though I'm sure she tries to give them a clean slate on day one of seventh grade, there's already in her mind, that one's a talker. I already know it. That one, oh, that one's going to give me trouble. They're going to spend more time in Mr. Brewer's office than they're going to spend in my classroom. Kind of already know what the connotations. I didn't, haven't heard about this one. I hope that's good news. <laughs> we'll take quiet and average. <laughs> the name carries some weight to it, some value, whether it's good value or negative value, just because. Not because she's met them, not because she knows them, but because she's heard it. And do you know what? Your name has value. Your name has value. I go into the community, tell them I'm a pastor of this church. The church has, its name has value in the community. You know what sometimes happens? They'll say to me, does so-and-so attend this, your church? Or maybe they'll say it, oh, so-and-so, they go to your church, don't they? And do you know what? It, when I say yes, they have an opinion right like that of our church. That fast. You, your name, carries so much significance and so much weight that they're opinion of our church is very, very, very likely to be the same as their opinion of you. Just by your name. You go to such and such a church, all the character traits, all that you are, you reveal 
to your community what kind of church this is. You reveal that. If you're warm and friendly, they assume that we're warm and friendly. I've had it go positive and I've had it go negative. I've had people tell me, they've asked me, is so-and-so go to your church? And as soon as they ask me, I know. I'm inside. I'm shaking my head. Oh, great. I don't, do I have to tell the truth? Can I lie? <laughs> no, I never would. But man, it's awful tempting because there's some, none here, but there's some that their behaviors in the community has brought a dark mark on the church because their name carries weight. And when God reveals his names to us, they carry a significant weight. Because he's revealing who he is. What does the Bible tell us about God's name? Well, the first thing that we know is his name is good. His name is good. The Proverbs writer tells us it's better to have a good name than riches. What? I, what? Wouldn't you rather have all the money in the world? Wouldn't you like to be Bill Gates or, or you know, Steve Jobs is dead, but have his wealth or, or uh, you know, all those, all those rich people out there, Warren Buffett? Wouldn't you like to have his, even if everybody thought you had a horrible name? Not really. Not really. Elon Musk has a lot of name, uh, has a lot of money, but he's being sued right now for libel because he's he spoke badly about someone in the cave rescue. Was it last year or the year before? And so Elon Musk right now has is dealing with his name being tarnished because of words that he spoke that he probably shouldn't have said. What about Epstein? Great wealth. But now his name's associated with the Me Too movement and in not a good way. The name, whether it's good or whether it's bad, even though all the wealth that you may have, when you've tarnished your name, you'll never, almost never, it is hard to get a good name back after it's been lost. There was a time that the name Bill Cosby was a good name. A lot of people, a lot of people pointed to him as, as a person of success, a person of color who was successful in our nation. He was on multiple television shows and, and, and was just, just a, it was a good family man, household name. Bill Cosby was, man, it was a great name. That all changed a couple of years ago, didn't it? accusations of, of improper behavior. Bill Cosby's in prison, and, he's, and I don't know if he has his wealth still or not. I don't know how much he's going to have to pay out for those that he harmed. But his name is ruined. And when you say Bill Cosby now, there's none of those good feelings that come with it. But here's the thing. When we speak the name of God, 
There is nothing but good. He is good. His character is revealed in his name, and God is good all of the time. There is not a time when God isn't good. Now, I know there's sometimes that God does things that we don't like. And we know that God allows things that we wish that he wouldn't allow. And I know that there's those that are anti-God, not just atheists, but they're anti-God, and they'll point to you know, God's destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and the destruction of the whole world in Noah's flood. And, and they'll talk about how God isn't good because he kills all these people. But we have to understand that God's ways are higher than our ways, and he is always, always, always good. And certainly God allows things in our lives that we don't want him to, let, to allow in. But we don't understand him. We don't understand how God is using the bad and what we think is evil for good. I remember it, this was several years ago. We were, we, we were having issues with the church van at the church we were pastoring. It developed a crack in, in the windshield. That's not a big deal. You, you call up the company to come and, and uh, you know, they'll even come to the church parking lot and put the, put the windshield in. They did it, and it leaked. Well, that's annoying. So we called them up again. Of course, it's under warranty. They promised to fix it right, and so they come back out there. They, they take the windshield off, the guy, the second guy comes in and he goes, oh, I see what he did wrong. He says, I guarantee you it won't leak. When I, I mean, he was proud of the work that he could do. He, I mean, he was just, he was just over the top confident that his job would not cause a leak. It did. Well, that's a little annoying. So he called them up again and I think it was safe light, if I remember right. It doesn't really matter, but called him up against it. Your, your windshield still leaks. And I said, you know what? He said, we don't know why we're having trouble. We've sent two guys out. They've already lost two windshields because they can't reuse them after they pull them out. He says, why don't you bring it into the, bring it into the shop? Bring it into the shop and we'll fix it. And so that's what I did. Well, I'm sitting there in, in the waiting room as they're putting on a new windshield, and I'm reading a book, but the television caught my attention. It was on the History Channel. And they were talking about Constantinople, that great Christian city, and how the Muslims came through with New technology, cannons, and shredded the walls of Constantinople, and how it fell, and how that it became a center for Islam. And I'm sitting in a safe light waiting room, and I'm saying, Lord, why would you allow that evil to take place? The, the wrong, the evil has, has won the day. And even to this day, Istanbul, 
is a center for Islamic culture. And its Christian heritage has been lost. Why would you allow that? I don't understand. Now, mind you, I'm watching History Channel. This is not, you know, Christian Channel. Do you know what happens? Because the people of Europe wanted those spices and all those good things that were going on in China and India, you know what they do? They get desperate for a way to get those things. And a man by the name of Christopher Columbus steps into the scene just a few years after the fall of Constantinople with a plan to go around the globe to find a way to the east. If Constantinople doesn't fall, then it will be more generations before Europe discovers America. And do you know, for all the wrong and all the things that were involved in that that are bad, the people, the native people of here, we sent missionaries and we were trying to help and in several, several cultures know who Jesus is. And I thought, God took what we thought was evil something that we, could, we couldn't understand and something that, that if you were living in that day and maybe even, even those beyond wouldn't see it, but, but the History Channel pulls it together and helps us to see that the fall of Constantinople led to a push to find another way to the east. We can't see the future in the present. We can't see what God is doing in the now. And this is why we have to understand that His name is good. There is no negative connotations. There are no negative uh, traits to His character. And that it will always be good. And so when something happens that we feel like, man, this is, this is bad, we have to realize that God is good. His name is good. And he's not going to allow his name to be anything less than good. His name is good. Psalmist tells us not only is his name good, but his name is excellent. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. His name is excellent. Now... I guess it's one thing to be good, but it's another thing to be excellent. You know, you get on your paper from your teacher, good. Well, that's nice. You know, we did all right. But man, when you get excellent, now you know something's up. You know, you sing a special and, wow, that was really good. We really enjoyed that. Or Man, that was excellent. Man, that changes it, doesn't it? Why is God's name excellent? It's because his works magnify his name. Do you see, by the name of Jeremy, I don't know what you can do with that. You tell people you know me, most people shrug their shoulders. 
My name isn't excellent. I hope it's good. But it's not excellent. You may have the ability by just walking into the bank down here, telling them your name, and they may hand you thousands of dollars. Some of you have lived here long enough, maybe, maybe you could get away with that. A signature loan. You can, just, you can just walk in. They don't need any collateral. They know you. They love you. They think you're a great thing. You've borrowed money from them before. And you can just sign your name and walk out with a bunch of money. Now you're going to have to pay a bunch of it back. All of what you borrowed plus. But your name has the power down here at the bank to be able to get from it on just your name the money you need. That might be excellent, especially if you need it. But what else can your name do? Your name might get you into places that, that other people can't get into. When I was working in, in uh, a secular counseling agency, I had... Uh, I would work oftentimes in schools working with, with kids with au usually autism, but ADHD and other things. I'd be working in the schools. And by the power of my name, I could walk in to any of the schools in that county. They, I'd been into every school in the county. They knew who I was. They knew the work that I did. And they, we had had the, the, the awful Amish shooting in Pennsylvania just before then. And they had installed all these, these things. You had to push a button and it had a camera and you'd have to say who you were. And all. I would push that button. And a lot of times, of course, they, a lot of them had cameras and so they could see who it was. But my name would get me through every single one of those doors. I didn't have to have my badge with me because they knew who I was. I'd been into those schools. I'd worked with their kids. My name had the power to open up the door and have access to hundreds of kids. Now, if you would go into Pennsylvania, probably now if I would go back because I haven't been there so long, your name wouldn't do it. But here, down the road, a lot of you, a lot of you can just walk right in. They know who you are. They know your name. They know your, the excellency of your name allows you access to the most vulnerable among us. And here's what I want us to understand about the excellency of God's name. It is by his name that the powers of hell tremble. By the excellency of his name, iron swims and the sun stands still. By the excellency of his name, a man can be thrown into a den of lions and be unharmed. And men can be thrown into the fiery furnace and walk around and their clothes don't even smell like smoke. That's the excellency of his name. I don't, my name doesn't have that ability. My name has no power. To, to, to free you from any bondage. It doesn't have you the power to get you through fire or, or lions or floods. 
But by the excellency of his name, he's able to see you through every trial, every storm, every battle, every situation that you find yourself in. The excellency of his name will see you through. What is that song? He's as close as the very mention of his name. Talk about an excellent name. What an excellent name. I have, you can say my name, you can scream my name from your house and I probably won't hear you. I, I don't have that good a hearing. My name isn't that excellent. But you can whisper his name anywhere and he's there. I don't know how many times we've been on the road traveling and the situation has gotten dire in a hurry. One time in Cincinnati, I just dropped off one of our young people to go to God's Bible School. We're headed back, and I'm in the middle lane, of, and there's semi-trucks on both sides of me, and the one on my right decides that he wants my lane, and I'm in between, and there's nowhere to go. All, all there is is, I'm, I mean, we're going to have a semi-sandwich, and we're in the middle no one wants to be there. And all I could say, all I could get out is, oh God. And as soon as I said those words, that truck driver realized that I was in between and made his way back to his lane. Just last year, as we were traveling, trying to get to the airport while we were in Oregon, went through the mountains of Oregon, the ice was bad as... And I lost control of the rental vehicle. It's bad to lose your control in the mountains of Oregon. They don't have guardrails and there's logging trucks everywhere. And all I could do is call on the name of God. All I could do is get his name out. And the Lord just brought that vehicle straight. I don't know how he does it. Except for I know the excellency of his name. And if I would give you opportunity, each one of us could stand here and say the times that all you could do was say his name. You didn't have a chance to pray a long prayer. You didn't have a chance to go through, uh, you know, and try to work up something or, or try to touch the throne room of heaven. You didn't have time for all that. All you had time was to say his name. And he was there. The excellency of his name. But the Bible tells us also that his name is holy. His name is holy. Now I'm trying to help us to understand that a name carries with it the character. And to be holy means to be separate, to be set aside, to be different, to be unique. To, to have a, a, a quality about them that is unlike others. Oftentimes we think of, uh, when we think of holiness, we think of the purity and there is a purity aspect. God is so pure. His character is so pure that there can be no sin, no darkness, no shadow found in Him. But what, what, what this excellency is of, of holiness, this, this name, His name is holy, it means that, that there is a set-asideness to God, that there is none like Him. There is none like God. All the gods of this world, though they be no gods, 
even the imaginations of mankind who have tried to create gods have never once created a god as incredible and as awesome as God really is. Isn't that amazing? That all the gods throughout history and the imaginations of of mankind and all of our ability to come up with with great and mighty things. I mean, Hollywood comes up with how many movies a year and, and, and how many books are published every year, how many fiction books. I mean, the imagination of man is incredible. And yet, in the midst of our great imagination throughout our human history, we've never once been able to make up a God that even comes close to the reality of who God is. False gods of the Canaanites required child sacrifice. Our God never required a child to be sacrificed. Never once. Never had to throw a child to the crocodiles. Never had to put them in an idol and have that kid burnt up. Never had to... Folks, to be honest with you, sometimes I just can't understand why anybody would be interested in following the gods of the Canaanites when they knew the God of Israel. When I see what God required and what those gods required, I'd much rather pay the cost of serving God than to serving those false gods, even if those gods were real. I have no desire to follow a God that wants my children to be sacrificed for them. Just have no interest in that. We have not... Folks, our God is so other than humanity. He is so other that we can't even imagine a God as good and as incredible and as amazing as our God. We can't do it. When we imagine a God, we we imagine him to be vengeful and wrathful. Zeus threw down his mighty lightning bolts from heaven and zapped anybody who defied him. They're not good. They weren't excellent. They weren't there when they were needed. And they certainly weren't holy. Most oftentimes, as you read through the, the, the mythology of the false gods, they are as sinful and as wicked as the people who invented them. Zeus would come down in human form and, and, and have affairs with women, cheating on his wife. Wow, that sounds like a kind of god I want to serve. Not. Can you imagine... Going home one day and saying to your wife, you know, hon, I, I, you know, we're supposed to be like our God. I'm going to go have an affair on you. She'd probably be like Hera and bop you in the head with one of her magical powers. You find out how, you can find out that she throws like a girl with a, a man that frying pan just hit you right between the eyes. Why would you want to be, I mean, you look at the mythology, their gods are as sinful and as wicked or more so than the people who are following after them. They're not holy. They're not different. All they were was more powerful, wicked versions of the people that served them. Who wants to serve a God like that? He's holy this morning. And the angels, Isaiah tells us, say, holy, holy, holy. Can you imagine 
what it's going to be like when we cross the line of worlds and we enter into the throne room for the first time and we see the seraphim with the six wings flying around that place and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Do you know what I think is going to happen? I think you're not going to be able to help yourself. I think you're going to have to join in in the song. I don't think you're going to be able to refrain. You can pro- if you remember me preaching this, you might say I'm going to prove the preacher wrong and try to do your best to hold out, but I don't think you'll be able to do it. I don't think you'll be able to be stubborn enough. I don't think you can be strong-willed enough not to join in when you see the holiness of God. I think the first words out of your lips are going to be holy, holy, holy. Because in the, when we get a true, unfiltered view of God and we see how other that He is, when we see how separate He is, when we see how pure He is, when we see how magnificent He is, I don't think there's any other words that can spring to our lips. He's holy. But they go on to say, those angels, they say, the whole earth is filled with, not His holiness, but with his glory. Psalmist tells us that his name is glorious. Now, what is glory? Man, have you ever tried to define glory? I started looking it up. I tried to, I tried to begin to, to understand to, to, to how, what is this glory? How do, I, how do I describe it? How do I preach it for you? And, and I think John Piper got it closest. He says that the glory is the beautiful manifestation of God's holiness. It's the beautiful manifestation of His holiness. Let me put it this way. It is the proof that He is holy and it is beautiful. The whole earth is filled with His glory. Ever stood on top of a mountain and suddenly your heart swells because you're seeing the glory of God? You ever go out in the the middle of the night and see the stars twinkling in the eye and all of a sudden you just are, are overwhelmed by a sense of your finiteness and the expanse and the glory and the power of God as you realize that He knows not only how to make a star, but He has named each star and He knows each one of their names. And you just look up at the, up there and you don't even know the names of the constellations. But you, and God knows the name of that star and the name of that one and that one over here. And, and God knows each one of their names. It's overwhelming. It's overwhelming. And what do you say? You, you just have to say glory, glory, glory. The beautiful manifestation of the holiness of God. Or have you ever been in a service where the Holy Spirit just settled down? And, it, and it's unusual. It's not the norm. It's not just the everyday service. It's not just the everyday singing. It's not the, the everyday testimony. But, but somehow, all of a sudden, you feel the magnificent, the beautiful, glorious presence of God. And you see the evidence of His otherness. 
His name carries with it that beautiful, beautiful evidence, that proof that he is different, that he is separate, that he is holy. It's no wonder that they talked about the Shekinah glory coming and resting between the seraphim on the Ark of the Covenant. There was something that was proof that God was there, but it also proved that God was other that he was something more, that he was something that nothing else could ever touch or hold or know except he reveal it to us. That clock goes too fast. I'm still on the first point. <laughs> These are all subpoints. Let me give you one more. Those are all great, and all of them are important. But I think this last one, I think this last one is what, I think it kind of holds it all together. I think the rest of them are, are, are super important. I wouldn't want to lose any of them, but, but sometimes you need something to tie it all together. And the Bible tells us that his name is near. His name is near. I told you he's very, as close as the very mention of his name. Can you imagine all that power, all that excellency, all that goodness, all, all that holiness and all that glory, but it's far, far away. Wouldn't that have been awful? Do you know what? We couldn't get it as mankind. We couldn't get it that God was near. I think it's because of our sinfulness. It separates us from God. And, 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 and so we, we become blinded to the presence of God. We become blinded to, to recognizing that his name is near. And, and, and our sin, somehow we think we can hide it from who God is and hide it from who, what he sees. And so we walk around what humanity has for generations with this misunderstanding that God is far away. And God says, you know what? I'm going to have to fix this. I've revealed myself on Mount Sinai. I've revealed myself to Joshua. I've revealed to myself through David and through each generation I have revealed myself. But mankind just doesn't get it. God says, I want them to know that I am near. And so Jesus sent his, or God sent his son, Jesus. Emmanuel, God with us. He said, I want us, I want humanity to get it. That I am nearby. Not only am I near, but I want them to know that I am with them. And Jesus, even as he's going to be leaving, he says, I'm never going to leave you. But I'm seeing you go up, Lord. I, 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 you're not, I don't see your body anymore. That's all right. I'm, I'm, I'm right here. I'm never leaving you. I'm not forsaking you. You might not be able to see me, but I'm right here. And Jesus sent the comforter so that he could, so that he could take it one step further, that it just wouldn't be that God was, was present with us on earth, but that he would be now present with each one of us in our hearts. There's a, there's a reason why I know that my Savior is alive this morning. It's because I sense the presence of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I know Him. I know 
him. I have sensed him. I have talked with him. I spoke with him this morning, and he talked with me. If Jesus were on earth, we couldn't do that. We'd have to all go to Jerusalem or wherever he is. I mean, it'd be like going to the, see the Pope. Their lines would be great, and you'd never probably get anywhere near him. But Jesus sent the Holy Spirit so that we could recognize, so that this fallacy that God is far away could be broken, and we could know that God's name is near. And so God is wanting us to see that his name is good. People can try to run it through the mud. They can, they, can, they, can, they can accuse God, but His name rises above all of that. His name is excellent. Oh, by His name, kingdoms rise and fall. His name is holy, set apart. His name is glorious. You see the evidence of it in His glory. But for each one of us, his name is near. His name is close by. And we don't have to search for his name. We don't have to search for him. He is near to his people. Praise his name. Amen. Let's stand together. Amen. Brother John, would you dismiss us in prayer?